Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Thank you, Public Enemy. And Chuck D, the greatest MC of all time. Yes, I said it. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to the Night Spot. We're coming at you live and interactive, coast to coast, all 50 states, including the great state of Canada. Our number is 866-997-4748. We have some great guests tonight, but as always, our most important guest is all y'all. 866-997-GRIT. The heroic Chris Houselt, our executive producer, is on hand. Uh, the great Thea Harper is producing this thing out of Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. And what a day we've had, friends. Wow. The U.S. economy grew at its fastest pace in nearly two years in the third quarter, revealing a huge level of underlying strength in the economy. We're telling you this because the mainstream media won't. At least 27 people have now been confirmed dead in Acapulco after a Category 5 hurricane. That would be Otis made landfall yesterday. Acapulco is a resort town. They are not built for any kind of hurricanes. Those don't happen. They have suffered catastrophic damage and communication is still very sparse. Um, A federal judge has told Georgia to take their electoral maps back to the drawing board ahead of next year's election. The maps were deemed unfairly drawn to diminish a growing black population because they were. Also, nine Arab countries have released a joint statement condemning the Israeli bombing of civilians in Gaza. The head of UNRWA, the leading aid group in the region, reported 53 deaths among their relief workers as they called for an immediate ceasefire. And on the nicer side... The Beatles have announced they will be releasing their last song, their final song, next week. It's called Now and Then. It's a song from John Lennon's 1977 piano demo. Yoko Ono gave Paul McCartney three songs back in 1995. One of them, uh, two of them made their way onto the Beatles anthology. This song never did. George Harrison recorded some guitar parts, but he nixed it because John Lennon's voice was so poor. Now, using AI, they have brought John Lennon's original vocal out and cleaned it up. AI is rapidly changing the music industry. And next week, the final Beatles song featuring a vocal from John Lennon in the 70s, guitar from George Harrison in the 90s, and new drums and vocals and guitar from Paul and Ringo in this century will be released. All four Beatles spanning multiple decades with assistance from Jeff Lynne, but executive produced by George Martin's son. And the B-side will be 
the Beatles' first ever single, Love Me Do, the version with Ringo on it. Hello to all of our daywalkers, everybody listening on demand, on the podcast, on the app, and hello to our evil army of the night. We love when you guys call in. You're always our most important guest, and there's a lot to cover today. Let's do a show. As you probably know, hundreds of cops are on the hunt for an armed and dangerous gunman who is suspected of slaughtering 18 people in Lewiston, Maine last night. We reported on this live. It happened just minutes before we went on the air. Schools have been closed. Residents have been told to stay inside. The search continues for the suspect, 40-year-old Robert Card. This massacre was at a bowling alley and a restaurant, and it is the deadliest U.S. mass shooting of 2023. It is the 10th worst mass shooting in modern American history, it is the 36th shooting this year that has four or more deaths. Um, the man fled into the night. There's been a massive search. Many police armed with rifles took up positions while the central main city descended into quiet. Lewiston, by the way, is Maine's second largest city after Portland. And Bates College, the private liberal arts school in Lewiston, is still on lockdown. Dozens of students sheltered on the top floor of the college library last night, keeping low among the stacks to be away from windows. They're looking for this guy on land. They're looking for him on the water. A car was owned by Card. He's a U.S. Army reservist. And they found his car near a river where he keeps a 15-foot boat that hasn't been found. So the Canada Border Service Agency has issued an armed and dangerous alert to their officers on the Canada-U.S. border. And Portland has closed all their public buildings. Joe Biden has ordered uh, federal, he's offered federal assistance to Maine's governor and ordered U.S. flags to be flown at half staff until sunset on Monday. Which brings us to Susan Collins, who said she would not support a nominee for the Supreme Court who demonstrated a hostility to Roe v. Wade before appointing Donald Trump's appointees who outlawed Roe v. Wade. That's Susan Collins. She's the one who takes NRA money and who voted against banning assault weapon sales. She decided it would be a good time to show her face and talk about thoughts and talk about prayers, when apparently she doesn't do much of either of those things. She voted no on both background checks at gun shows and banning high-capacity magazines of over 10 bullets. In 2013, Susan Collins, again, Maine senator, rejected two Senate amendments that would have banned the sale of assault rifles and limited access to firearm magazine capacity. Why do we talk about high-capacity magazines? Because when mass killers have to reload mid-slaughter, you've got a decent chance of tackling them. Remember that. If someone can only fire off 10 rounds before going through that inconvenience that the NRA so dreads of having to reload mid-massacre, there's a fighting chance to get away or take the person down. This is Susan Collins, who rejected an assault weapons ban. She supported the concealed carrying of firearms across state lines in 2009. She has a B rating from the NRA, but it sounds like she wants to do even better. And she is marking the day by feeling really bad while doing nothing. Why does a well-regulated militia need to include weapons that civilians should never have? Ten of the 18 confirmed main shooting victims are unidentifiable because this well-regulated militia used arms that pretty much obliterate the human body. I want to show you the opposite of Susan Collins. This is a very moving clip. This is Congressman Jared Golden. Today, he actually showed what leadership looks like, because sometimes leadership means saying, I was wrong. Here is the representative apologizing for opposing an assault weapons ban, saying now he'll support one, and asking his community for forgiveness in a show of grace that Susan Collins and the majority of the Republican conference lack. Give a listen. This is Representative Jared Golden. 
and that we could be in full control among many other misjudgments. I have opposed efforts to ban deadly weapons of war like the assault rifle used to carry out this crime. The time has now come for me to take responsibility for this failure, which is why I now call on the United States Congress to ban assault rifles like the one used by the sick perpetrator of this mass killing in my hometown of Lewiston, Maine. For the good of my community, I will work with any colleague to get this done in the time that I have left in Congress. To the people of Lewiston, my constituents throughout the second district, to the families who lost loved ones, and to those who have been harmed, I ask for forgiveness and support as I seek to put an end to these terrible shootings. In the days to come, I will give everything I have to support this community's recovery. Thank you. It's an uncommon measure of grace. Uh, New House Speaker Mike Johnson made a brief statement on the mass shooting in Maine. And like most of the archival comments unearthed since his ascendance, it is dripping with Christian theocracy. This is a, this is a dark time in America. We have a, a, a lot of problems, and we're really, really hopeful and prayerful. Prayer is appropriate in a time like this, that the evil can end and this senseless violence can stop. And so that's, that's the statement this morning for the, on behalf of the entire House of Representatives. Everyone wants this to end, and I'll leave it there. Revoltingly fake Christians, House Speaker Mike Johnson. The evil won't end because frauds like Mike Johnson don't want to do anything to stop it. Mike Johnson is just fine with a man like Mr. Card having possession of a machine designed to slaughter humans really fast, because that's the kind of Christian Mike Johnson pretends to be. There is no civilian use. There is no civilian purpose. There is no civilian justification for AR-15s. Let's talk about Johnson, because today was day one for Mike, or as we call him, Trump's little Johnson. And Trump's little Johnson is one of the most socially conservative speakers in modern American history, if not if not the most. I mean, he's he's more right wing than Donald Trump. You got to know this going into this. All right. Democrats are already fundraising off this guy, and he's going to be a big star in every 2024 campaign. Why? Because he makes it easy. There are so many op eds he's written in the past. Laws he has supported, laws he's introduced. And of course, his profoundly regressive, and I mentioned unchristian record of bearing false witness and having generally really shitty takes. Uh, he's an election denier. He spread lies about the Dominion voting machines rigged by Hugo Chavez, the same lies Fox News is paying three quarters of a billion dollars for spreading. He wants to criminalize all abortions, all abortions. Are you hearing this, rapists? This is guy is going to help you pick out the mother of your next child. He posted in January, we will get the number of abortions to zero in Louisiana after the fall of Roe. This is a common thing that fake Christians who are stupid will say. Zero abortions. That'll never happen. You will never end all abortions. All you rat bastards can do is end all the safe, legal, regulated abortions. There'll still be plenty of abortions, and you'll be happy to know plenty of women will be bleeding out in parking lots because of you. He wants doctors who provide abortion care for women to be sentenced to hard labor, and he hates the gays. Unlike that noted non-homophobe he pretends to follow, Jesus, he wrote op-eds calling for making gay sex illegal. He thinks people should go to jail for weed. And he loves to brag about freedom, unless you're transgender or gay or a woman who wants control of your own body or you want to smoke a flower that grew here long before white people ever showed up. 
He says the First Amendment requires students to lead prayers in public school. He publicly boasts of his Christian piety before using the Gospels as toilet paper. He is American Taliban. And now he's the guy Democrats have to work with. So what's he looking at? What are the next few weeks going to bring? Well, in in the immediate future, uh, a lot of people um, in Congress who want to censure each other. Marjorie Taylor Greene wants to censure Rashida Tlaib for criticizing Israel. Congresswoman Rebecca Ballant wants to censure Marjorie Taylor Greene for five years' worth of anti-Semitic remarks and other comments. Congressman Anthony Esposito, Esposito from New York and a few other New York freshmen just introduced a resolution to expel George Santos from Congress over his federal fraud charges. Kevin McCarthy wouldn't do that because he needed George Santos for the vote. All three of these measures have to receive a vote by early next week. And here's the deal. Matt Gates is taking a pretty big victory lap over this. That petulant little smug thing really feels proud of himself over this and you know what i say let him have his victory today let him enjoy it today it's as good as it's ever going to get from matt today house ways and means chair jason smith slammed matt gates for introducing the motion to vacate that ousted speaker kevin mccarthy in the first place let me quote republican congressman jason smith the blood is on gates's hands for 22 wasted days for him to join with 100 percent of democrat party Oh, my God, these little slurs these idiots have to remove the Speaker of the House. He's all about himself. Patrick McHenry, former Speaker pro tempore, called uh, the ouster of McCarthy, perhaps the dumbest set of politics for decision making a majority party in this institution could make. Shortly after the election yesterday, Joe Biden called Mike Johnson to congratulate him. And the White House said, we're willing to work together. Joe Biden said there should be mutual effort to find common ground wherever we can. And I believe Joe Biden means it. And that's going to be a problem for this guy, Mike Johnson. See, Joe Biden's making a lot of overtures saying, I'll look past your election denialism. I'll look past the fact that you've been lying for years that my presidency isn't valid because we got to keep the government open. We got to provide funding to Ukraine and Israel. So Johnson met briefly with Biden at the White House today before the president's aides delivered a presentation on their emergency request for one hundred six billion in national security funding. This guy Johnson has repeatedly voted against sending any military aid to Ukraine, which means he's going to have problems with both Biden and Mitch McConnell. Uh, And he met with Mitch McConnell today. The entire fate of Joe Biden's immediate domestic and foreign agenda, it's fair to say, is in the hands of a dude who actively and dishonestly opposed certification of his election. (laughs) So what's next? I'll tell you what's next. If there's no deal, the government's going to run out of money in 22 days. There will be a government shutdown. Mike Johnson will own it, and hundreds of thousands of federal workers could be furloughed, and low-income families could lose access to Head Start preschool programs or see delays in nutrition assistance, to say nothing of military folks not getting paid. And the House and Senate have to pass 12 appropriation bills in the next 22 days to keep the government's doors open. Are you getting a sense of the problem the new speaker is going to face? He's not going to get a honeymoon. He's going to have to pass a bill that Democrats in the White House and the Senate and Republicans in his own caucus can support. And so it's really not a question of will the right wing Republicans turn against their new speaker. It's a question of when. Kevin McCarthy got a debt limit deal through, but that's what ended his speakership. McCarthy had a really hard time getting Republican votes for an appropriations bill to pass the House. If this guy can't get Republicans to do that like McCarthy did, he's going to need Democratic votes. 
And that means he's going to have to compromise. And compromise is a word right-wing politicians don't understand. I mean, Joe Biden's requesting funding to support Israel in their war against Hamas and to support Ukraine against Russia's invasion. Now, Vladimir Putin doesn't want us supporting Ukraine, which means Donald Trump doesn't want us supporting Ukraine. And this guy Johnson voted against the two supplemental appropriations bills last year and in September that gave the funding. Majority of the members of the House do want the funding approved, but a minority of the House Republicans want to let Vladimir Putin rape and murder and eat our ally. So Trump's little Johnson is about to get a lot of exposure, my friends. Look for that. It's going to be very interesting. Here is Chuck Schumer. Earlier today, said for his part, he will not make it easy for the new speaker to enact any far-right policies. We must work together to send Israel the help she needs. We must stand with our friends in Ukraine, which majorities in both chambers have made clear they support. To allow Putin to succeed is to endanger America's national security, and it's alarming that a growing number of House Republicans don't seem to care about this. We also need humanitarian aid to reduce the suffering in the Middle East, in Ukraine, and elsewhere. We must also finish the bipartisan appropriation process, extremist funding bills that make cuts way below the partisan June agreement will not fly. If Speaker Johnson tries to send those cuts over here, they're not going to happen. It'll be dead. They'll be dead on arrival. All they'll do is waste more time at a moment when every day counts. So he cannot listen to these 30 members of the hard right who somehow think they have all the knowledge and all right on their side and then tie us in a knot. He's right. I mean, there's one question to ask your Republican friends who are now pretending to be anti-war. Because I'm anti-war. I was against Bush's war and I'm against Putin's war. I'm not anti-self-defense. So the one question, and you can do this with your coworkers and your friends and your loved ones. Do you support Putin's invasion and his attempts to end Ukraine's sovereignty? Or do you support Ukraine's effort to stay free and repel this invasion? It's very simple. You can only choose one. Do you support Putin's invasion or do you support Ukraine's effort to repel this foreign invader? Ask the right wing person in your life. And before we go to break, the U.S. economy grew, as I mentioned, at its fastest pace in nearly two years in the third quarter. It, it went up against every expectation of a slowdown. I mean, Joe Biden's out there trying to take another economic victory lap. And of course, the mainstream media is ignoring him and talking about crappy poll numbers. Biden said, I always say it's a mistake to bet against the American people. And just today we learned the economy grew 4.9 percent in the third quarter. I never believed we would need a recession to bring inflation down. And today we saw again that the American economy continues to grow even as inflation has come down. <laughs> and in spite of all this, in spite of all these positive economic headlines, only 35% of voters in seven swing states trust Biden on the economy. Why? Well, let's just say the billionaires who own our media don't like Biden's policies, which is what makes me like Biden more. A president who's hated by billionaires? Okay. I never thought Biden would be this good. Oh, and I also want to mention one more thing. I'd like to mention that Larry Elder has dropped his bid for the Republican presidential nomination, but that would be treating Larry Elder's bid like it was news. 
We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the great Jessica Mason Piclo of Rewire News Group and your calls at 866-997-4748. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm so glad you're here. It's a great day to be an American with empathy. Keep it tuned to us. We'll be right back. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. This is SiriusXM. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. I'm so excited to welcome our next guest, although usually when we're talking to her, it's about the sort of things that I'm not very excited to talk about. You guys already know that the Supreme Court has done everything they can do to make sure women in America today have fewer rights than their mothers or grandmothers had. And that ugly trend is continuing. The six Republican majority on the Supreme Court, and keep in mind, those six Right-wing justices, five of them were appointed by presidents who had lost the U.S. popular vote. Their rulings do not reflect the will of the American people. But that majority could uphold the Washington or Texas ruling on the FDA-approved abortion drug Mifepristone, which is used for most abortions non-surgically. It is the safest thing women can do to terminate a pregnancy. It is safer than childbirth and safer than pregnancy. And if courts can overturn drug approvals... Despite science, if courts who are not filled with scientists or doctors can overturn drug approvals despite the facts, then legal access to any essential medicines could be at risk. And remember, abortion bans violate religious freedom for millions of Americans, and the Bible's never against abortion. With that in mind, I am so thrilled to welcome Jessica Mason Piclo back to the show. She is Senior Vice President and Executive Editor for Rewire News Group. She's a terrific writer. She's also the co-host of RNG's signature podcast, Boom Lawyered, with the great Imani Gandhi. Rewire News Group is a 501c3 nonprofit media org and the only national publication exclusively dedicated to reporting on reproductive and sexual health, rights, and justice. You might have already been following her 
her on social media as Hegemami, Jessica Piclo. Welcome back to SiriusXM. That is such an amazing introduction. Thank you so much for having me back. This is always one of my favorite times of year. So well, thank fantastic. you. That is such an amazing yeah. resume. And the last time you were on, by the way, we were sitting in a studio. And uh-huh. uh, my producer sent me a text as we began this very serious talk about abortion rights that Tucker Carlson had just been fired by Fox News. And I had to sit on that for 25 minutes until we wrapped because it would have ruined because it was not a live interview. So we couldn't reveal it. So every time you show up here, very interesting things happen. Um, but thank you I for being that. with us. I love that. I wonder what yeah. it'll be this time. <laughs> Uh, we can only hope. Looking at you, Hannity. So yeah. l- let's let's talk about this because right now yeah. uh, a lot of activists and and some Democratic lawmakers are all really trying to support Mifa Pristone, mm-hmm. and there's briefs being filed at the Supreme Court as we speak, begging these justices to undo that appellate court ruling that really threatens to roll back access to medication abortion nationwide. How is it yeah. looking? Uh, it's not looking great is uh, is the honest um, answer that I have. So to get uh, folks up to speed, several months ago, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals largely upheld a lower court ruling from Trump appointee Matt Kaczmarek that really is outside the bounds of the law, which is something we've come to expect from Trump judges. But this is really kind of rewriting uh, constitutional and regulatory, uh, regulatory law whole cloth. And what Kaczmarek's opinion said and what the Fifth Circuit largely upheld was that the FDA rushed to market over 20 years ago mifepristone, and as a result, it needs to be yanked. And it sounds like a narrow decision, (laughs) but truly the thinking behind it is, as you teed up in your intro, really to undercut, to kind of kneecap regulatory review and FDA review in particular, because, you know, the conservatives don't like agencies in general. So the FDA is the latest. We see them with the, you know, screwing around um, with the EPA and and whatnot. So the Biden administration and um, uh, representatives from the manufacturers did the right thing on and asked the Supreme Court to step in. I know that sounds crazy for me to say that they did the right thing and asked the Supreme Court to step in. But really, the other option is to leave the Fifth Circuit ruling in place. You're right. And that would really create chaos, not just in terms of abortion access, but in terms of the way that Big Pharma does business. And I am not one to come on here and be like, leave Big Pharma alone. But truly, we cannot have the courts, as you as you sort of alluded to, writing policy in a way that is completely devoid of process, which is what's happening here. This is just them kind of making it up for their own will. That's so it. That's it. we're in the process of 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 briefing. So the advocates are, you know, making their case before the court. And uh, at the beginning of November, the justices will start to consider whether or not they'll take it. And they probably will because they've already kind of teed this up and weighed in a little bit with Matt Kaczmarek's original order. And we know it's an abortion case and this court loves to take abortion cases. No, I'm I'm alternately fascinated and terrified. Letitia James, the (laughs) New York Attorney General. Yeah, I mean Tish James, who's who's you know, the attorney general of New York and my my future wife, she's she's leading this coalition of states that are defending medication abortion. As as our listeners probably know, Mifepristone is one of only two drugs currently used Mm -hmm. in the US for medication abortions. So they've been filing these Amici briefs, these friend of the court briefs. What are the odds that they'll get any kind of support? I know they've got to do something, but is it conceivable that the same justices who took this right away from women just a year ago would be willing to let these pills survive? 
Uh, I mean, there are a couple uh, so like pathways where that could be the case, right? I mean, this court loves big business as much as it hates women. So it would be <laughs> difficult for it to side against the pharmaceutical industry in this case. And the pharmaceutical industry is making a very common sense marketplace pro-capital argument functionally. And that is very appealing to the likes of John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh. But again, we have a numbers game always at the court, right? If we can get to five is where we are at at this point in right. getting any policy to survive. So who is that? We have to presume that the centrist and liberal judges like Kagan and Sotomayor and Kentaji Brown Jackson will side with the FDA here, right? Yeah. So we're looking at Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh Roberts. at yeah. Roberts as potentially Amy Coney Barrett. And, you know, I mean, no way that Sam Alito or Clarence Thomas will do the right thing here. So, I mean, that's when when you're starting to hedge your bets on Brett Kavanaugh, we have to have a larger conversation about what's going on here. I mean, so this could go horribly wrong because the judges could wind up saying, no, we we agree with that. And again, we've talked about this in the past. This case went judge shopping. You know, Uh this wasn't a case that just happened organically. They went around all over Texas trying to find a judge and they found some right wing activist that Donald Trump handed a judgeship to who they thought would do this. And this judge paid no mind to science and just said, yeah, I agree. Let's let's ban this. So my understanding is these Amici briefs that have been filed are arguing in defense of the safety of Mifepristone. Right. The safety of mifepristone and the sanity of the FDA process in going through its review and evaluation and approval. And, you know, I will say there's one thing that's lurking in this case that really scares me. And it is a repeat of what we saw happen in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. And I've talked about it a long time, but Dobbs was a little while ago when the court first took the Dobbs case up. The conservatives did not that for Mississippi didn't ask the court to overturn Roe versus Wade initially. When the court agreed to take the case, they were only going to decide whether or not the Mississippi 15 week ban at issue fell in line with existing law. That would have been Roe and Casey. It was after the court took the case and Amy Coney Barrett ascended to the bench that conservatives were like, ha ha. Just kidding. What we want to do is reverse Roe versus Wade. So I am concerned legitimately that should the court take this case, what we will see is conservatives because this is Jonathan Mitchell. This is the Alliance Defending Freedom. This is the same conservative legal advocacy network that is out there trying to undermine basically any civil rights that we have left. It's going to say to the court, haha, just kidding. We think you need to yank Mifepristone entirely, not just roll it back, but take it all the way off the market. And there's precedent for the court behaving in that way. As long as they want to make sure Republicans never win a national election again in our lifetimes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, James writes in the brief, the decision contravenes the mandate of the FDA and undermines Mm -hmm. the integrity of the FDA approval process, radically destabilizing the pharmaceutical industry and jeopardizing the development and approval of thousands of innovative drugs and treatments on which Amici states and their residents depend to prevent and treat a host of conditions and diseases. It sounds like this case is threatening a lot more than just access to mifepristone. 
It really is. I mean, if conservatives have the ability to launch a grievance lawsuit against the FDA for approval of any medication that they don't agree with, where do you think there's a limiting principle on this? There's not. I mean, concern, we are absolutely, you know, this is COVID vaccines. This is, you know, any kind of drug or process that they believe has anything even remotely to do with the harvesting of stem or fetal cells, for example. Like the list goes on and on and on. And what does that look like? That looks like cancer medication. That looks like like uh, recent drugs that have been approved for Alzheimer's medication. If the FDA cannot do its job, then what does that leave in the marketplace? It really opens up for quackery, right? Like if if we leave this space unregulated, then everybody gets essential oils to cure COVID. You know, that's brilliant, by the way. Uh, the comedian in me loves that. The, the majority of fertilized eggs never attach to uterine walls and are mm-hmm. flushed out of the body naturally, which means God is our most prolific abortionist. Um, <laughs> and I'll point out again that the Bible is never against abortion, never against the morning after pill. God makes it clear in Exodus that a fetus is property. Have any Republicans at the state or local level signed on to these efforts to defend Mifepristone because they were no. against surgical abortion. No, none, right? Yeah, no, they are lockstep. I mean, I, you know, I think you were in the segment before this talking about the newly um, elected Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. These That's folks can't agree about. on anything, but they can agree on the guy who thinks that abortions are the reasons that there are mass shootings, was an attorney for the Alliance Defending Freedom and is interested in recriminalizing um, sodomy. I mean, the, the we, we have like a five alarm fire when it comes to these issues right now in conservative leadership. And there's there's none in terms of common sense. I mean, it used to be that the Bush family was known as big supporters of contraception. And now we That's have right. the conservative mainstream position being that hopefully we get people to think that the pill was a mistake. That's exactly right. George H.W. Bush supported women's reproductive freedoms until the day Ronald Reagan asked him to be his running mate. The day. And then he suddenly became pro-life and always had been. It's so creepy. And and again, it just seems, Jessica, like they really don't care that this is massively unpopular. They don't care about what we've seen happening at the local level in Kansas and Wisconsin. They're fine with losing elections over this and, and just letting more women bleed out in parking lots. But what scares me is... What happens when women are getting mifepristone via the mail and they decide that they're going to ban it because it'll still be available. It'll be available outside the U.S. if they were to ban it. So women will still be able to access mifepristone through certain means. God knows there's people out there who will make sure. And, And again, this is if you don't like surgical abortion, this is what you should like. This is a slippery slope to me that leads to government hires going through the mail of private citizens, right? I mean, that's what the Comstock Act was all about, right? The Comstock Act, which is this uh, reanimated statute that conservatives have brought to life to challenge Mifepristone approval, included provisions for mail cops, right? And so what this really truly does become is is a dramatic expansion of the surveillance state for people who could become pregnant because the presumption then becomes when you are pregnant, and don't deliver a healthy baby to the state, there is probable cause that some kind of crime has been committed. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let me ask you about the new speaker. I wanted to bring this up because uh, what a time, eh? This is a guy who, again, he, he, he's got a Bible that's full of stories that aren't in the Bibles I've read my whole life. But this mm-hmm. is someone who is talking about getting us down to zero abortions. And I talked about this yeah. in the last segment. He talked about, you know, we're going to get down to zero abortions. And that's never going to happen. The only abortions that you can end are these safe legal and regulated kinds. I keep screaming into the wind that what these people like the speaker are doing is trying to create thousands of new Dr. Kermit Gosnell butchery back alley clinics. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's absolutely true. And to hear Speaker Johnson say things like, you know, women have an obligation to birth the nation, right? To, to continue to provide nation. workers for, yep. and and it is an extremely, not just regressive view, but a very specific type of Christian nationalist view. He's also, purport, you know, like putting out their ideas around covenant marriage. What is covenant marriage? Covenant marriage is the conservative's answer to no-fault divorce. So, they do not even want people to be able to leave abusive marriages, for example. Yeah, can you, know, you explain is, that, please? Can you can you explain? I haven't talked about that yet on the show. Can you can you unpack oh, that a bit? Yeah. So covenant marriage is an alternative to the civil marriage uh, regime that exists across the country right now. And it's functionally putting a biblical lens on the way that that states manage uh, marital relations. Mm-hmm. A and narrow biblical if, lens. Yeah. A narrow biblical lens. And that narrow biblical lens functionally says that uh, women and children are property, that there's a natural order in the household that starts with first God and then the patriarch and then the wife. And there's all sorts of traditional duties that go into it. But when we talk about it being regulated as part of our civic structure, then what happens when those marriages fall apart? Well, you're kind of stuck there, right? One of the great feminist revolutions of the late 60s and early 70s was the expansion of no-fault divorce. It allowed women to just leave marriages that they had been trapped in, either because they were abusive, you know, uh, economically, you know, just abusive, all of it. That is at risk. We're literally putting forward on the conservative wing of national politics right now the idea that Marriage is the right, you know, heterosexual marriage is the right policy position to take for everybody that produces workers for the country. And you can't leave. You, no. And, and I want to also point out the new speaker of the House has called for 10 years hard labor for doctors who provide women with abortion care. Mm-hmm. Let that land just a bit. Um, I don't know yet if he's been asked about because most of these Republicans Jessica, I never asked if they think that women who terminate pregnancies deserve prison time. But it seems like if you're criminalizing abortion, then you are making women into criminals. I'm hoping that this will be one of the many questions he has to avoid for the next year. Absolutely. I mean, I hope that Democrats and progressives make it very clear that because Republicans don't know how to lead and they don't have any plan to lead, we will have a circus where all of our rights are in the center of it up until the election and depending on how that goes afterwards. I mean, we have no reason to think that Mike Johnson is intending to do anything serious. He's got stuff that has to happen, but how will he control his caucus? By probably putting out something that attacks trans kids, that attacks abortion rights. Those are the places that they are unified right now. Yeah, you're right. My God. So I know that the right-wing folks have until what, the the first week of November to file their briefs? Yes. Yes. 
They um, have until and then, and then the court will start thinking about it. So you think the court's going to take this case? I really do. I mean, the court has already uh, issued an order that said basically the status quo around Mifepristone approval stays in place until it either decides to take the case or it rejects it. The Fifth Circuit opinion is, I mean, I talk about the Fifth Circuit on your show all the time. It's bananas. But this one in particular is very weird and messy because it upholds part of Kaczmarek's order and not another part. And so at a minimum, I think there would be an impetus for the court to come in and clean it up. Now, that's terrifying because they could clean it up in a really terrible direction. This is about a reality TV show landlord racist who got to put three judges on a Supreme Court who are going to choose a religious ideology that has nothing to do with the teachings of Jesus over science. Am I getting this right? You are. I mean, it is this week is the third year anniversary of Amy Coney Barrett ascending to the bench. And I think about just how rapidly some of these rights have have dominoed. I mean, we understood that Dobbs would be the way that it is. But in the post Dobbs reality to see the states that have been able to enact bans just go to town and the threats now on contraception and the rising threats against LGBTQ rights and a summer full of rhetoric about gay folks is groomer. Like, I never expect anything good to come from the conservative movement. And I was even surprised by the acceleration here. And you're exactly right. It's because we had a reality TV president who had the ability to stack the court. And as I'm very fond of saying more and more these days, show me any time, anywhere in history where extreme conservative religious people were the good guys. I haven't found it yet. Jessica Mason-Piclo, it's always an honor having you on our show. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your very essential work, both you and Rewire News Group? Oh, thank you for asking. I still remain on all the social media platforms, even though they are um, on fire in their own respective way. I'm Hegemami, H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. Rewire News Group is on all the platforms. Uh, You can subscribe to the podcast, Boom Lawyered, with my amazing, thank you, my amazing co-host, Amani Gandhi, who literally just has me in stitches every episode. I mean, it's gallows humor, but, you know, probably one of the smartest people out there. I got her yeah. to do stand-up off-Broadway like 10 years ago, and that's one of my biggest uh, bragging rights. So I think she's I mean, brilliant. I think we should revive that. She's a natural. So <laughs> anyways, but thank you for Thanks, asking. Jess. And we love coming on uh, your show and helping Anytime. people understand what's going on there. Thank you for all you do, and I love your podcast. Tell her I said hi, and have a great evening. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are 
Sirius XM Progress. Thank you for joining us. So, yeah, we now have this new Speaker of the House who is extremely right wing and loves to boast of his own Christian piety. I just saw this photo that Charlie Kirk posted. And by the way, every time Charlie Kirk talks about Christianity, an angel coughs up blood. But of this guy, Mike Johnson, and a few other Republicans kneeling in prayer in front of cameras in the well of the house. And uh, it reminded me of Matthew 6, 5, where Jesus pretty much tells you, don't trust anyone who prays in public to be seen. Once again, uh, the revoltingly fake Christians of the GOP continue doing what they do. I challenge anyone, anyone out there to tell me any actual teaching of Jesus from the book that this flock fleecing Pharisee has fought for. I know there's lots of made up shit. Being mean to gay people, being mean to trans people, being really shitty to the Christian refugees at our southern border, putting women in prison for abortion, which the Bible never quite gets around to banning. But what has he ever done that actually reflects the teachings of the Nazarene? You know, not big on uh, welcoming the stranger, not too big on individuals and nations being responsible to take care of the poor, take care of the sick. Not a big fan of uh, paying your taxes. He supports Trump. Not a big fan of don't bear false witness. He pushed Trump's lie. Not really a big fan of he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. I have had it with these fake Christians and my hobby at this point. Well, it's thumping Bible thumpers with the Bible because Jesus taught us the joys of calling out these pious hypocrites. Fortunately, there's people out there who are much better at it than me, and I'm proud to welcome three of them to our show right now. Keith Giles has been here before. He's a former pastor who left the pulpit over a decade ago to follow Jesus. He's the author of several books, including Jesus Untangled, Crucifying Our Politics to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. He's the co-founder of the Pacifist Fight Club and co-host of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. His latest book is 2022's Sola Mysterium, Celebrating the Beautiful Uncertainty of Everything, Keith, welcome back to SiriusXM. Oh, it's such an honor and a joy to be with you again, John. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad to have you back because you bring really cool people into our evil army of the night, and I always learn a lot from your friends. Dylan Cruz is back. He's a terrific writer and theologian and a permaculture enthusiast from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. His book is called Theological Musings, Volume 1. I'm a big fan of this book. It's a really thought-provoking collection of essays that range from personal narratives to academic overviews covering a wide range of contemporary politics. This guy is scary smart, and he writes through a lens of theology, history, Biblical Studies and Permaculture. Dylan Cruz, welcome back to SiriusXM. Thanks for having me again, John. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm really excited, not just because we're going to rip into this revoltingly false Pharisee speaker, but you've also brought along uh, December Rose Waddleton, who's an author, a poet, a spoken word artist, and former pastor of the Restoration Center in Greenville, South Carolina, and the Rock Worship Center in West Union, South Carolina. She's also the author of... The church can go to hell. Pastor Waddleton, what a great pleasure. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So let's let's address the big elephant in the room first. Let's talk about the title of your book, Pastor, before we move on to uh, our <laughs> ridiculous Pharisee speaker. Um, I'm sure you don't write a book with a title, The Church Can Go to Hell, without garnering some controversy. What was it that motivated the title, and, and what has the response been from people? This response has been mixed. I've had a lot of people to support. I've had a lot of people to kind of fall out with me over the thought of just saying something like that. It sounds flippant and, you know, heretical if that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> so, but I'm happy to be called that if that's the case. Where it comes from is just being on the inside looking out as a pastor, knowing that if I wasn't already in the pulpit when I wrote this book, I was pastoring. And I resigned right before I released the book. 
and um, installed new pastors and stepped away from the pulpit. Um, but if I was not already inside the building, in the church pastoring, I wouldn't come in the building. Why is and, that? You know, just because the church, not that I didn't trust the word that was coming across the pulpit at the time I was preaching it, but I myself was broken preaching wholeness and dealing with um, depression, preaching joy and dealing with, you know, and not that you can't have that dichotomy between what you're going through and what you're preaching, not that you can't help the people while you also need help. But in general, I, I got married to a pastor at a very young age, and that was the most depressing time in my whole life. And wow. then I pastored for 10 years and I sat in the pews. And from every angle that I have experienced the church, it has been trauma. And I'm not saying that there aren't great churches out there, but from every angle, even as a female pastor, being ridiculed and judged right. and um, dealing with the condescending nature and arrogance of male pastors directed at me as a few from every preach, single preach, angle. It was some preach. bullshit. And yeah. so I had to write about it. And then God revealing to me the expanse of his grace and the unconditional nature of his love that is so big it can't fit inside the church and when you try to bring it inside the church they will call you a a heretic or try to send you to hell for trying to love like they tell you to love like god loves when you do when you actually do it you're gonna get kicked out the church because it's too big for the church and then there's a there's a part in the book where i talk about the love and grace of god being like the, a perfectly fitted, like a Vera Wang wedding dress. And it's not fit for the church because it was, it was never, the church could never get into it because it's too big. It's too big for them. The whole entire concept is too big. And, um, well, but it's perfectly, it fits perfectly for everyone who wants God because he wants I, I got to say, I, I think a lot of people will definitely be nodding their heads to what you say. I've known plenty of lovely churches and lots of lovely folks who go to church. And, and my parents always, my parents were both ex-clergy. They, they belong to well, my dad was always the one who would go and fight with the priest after mass and say, why are you talking about <laughs> hell all the time? Why is it all brimstone with you people? Why aren't you talking about love? But um, this seems like a good time to quote Star Wars because it's always a good time. And I think about The Last Jedi, where Luke Skywalker says, the Jedi don't own the force. And since a very mm-hmm. young age, I've always felt religion doesn't own God. Organized religion, these unauthorized God fan clubs, for better or worse, some of them can be great, some can be awful, but they don't own faith, they don't own spirituality, they don't own whatever someone's individual concept of God is. They don't own God, and they don't own you. And if they're out there Mm -hmm. doing the Lord's work and making things better for those who are suffering and down of heart, then great. If they're just there to put down marginalized people and pretend they're better than others, you got better ways to spend your time on a Sunday. So I, I totally appreciate where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, Keith, I want to I go to you on the first, uh, this, this, this question. We're hearing already the politicians in the wake of this atrocity in uh, Maine talk about thoughts and prayers, which they always do. And Keith, I always feel like politicians who take money from the NRA don't get to say thoughts and prayers because they don't pray and they don't think. Mm-hmm. How do you feel when, you know, people are still trying to identify the remains of slaughtered folks and they can't because a politician took money from the NRA to make AR-15s more accessible to unstable mm-hmm. civilians? How do you feel when you hear this thoughts and prayers refrain? 
Yeah, well, it bothers me on many, many levels. But um, yeah, I did want to address this because, yeah, they love to quote um, this verse, Second Chronicles 714, um, that says, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And and they quote it, but then they act as if what that means is um, just keep praying and things will get better. Um, or you're not praying enough. You need to pray harder or something like that. Yeah. But that is not what that verse is saying. And so I just I want to address that because the, the, the part they leave out, the part they ignore is the most important part where it says that we would turn from our wicked ways. So let's think about that for a second. What is it that allows these mass shootings to become a near daily occurrence? What is it that has led us to the place where guns are the number one cause of death for children in this nation? Isn't it our wicked ways, right, that prioritize the Second Amendment over the lives of our fellow Americans? Isn't it our wicked ways that lead us to offer thoughts and prayers over and over again, expecting a different result, right? I think it's time to stop and reconsider our wicked ways and what those are. And I think it's our sin of complacency and apathy in the face of this relentless gun violence. And until we turn from those wicked ways, our thoughts and our prayers will continue to be as useless as stopping the next shooting as all the other times we prayed before to stop the next one. Boom. Uh, And as a Christian and as a licensed and ordained pastor, let me tell you something. Prayer will not change this. It might make you feel better. It might help you sleep better at night, but it will not stop the next mass shooting. Prayer is not the answer, but repentance is. And repentance in the form of changing our hearts and our minds and expressing a genuine love and concern for human beings who are alive right now so that they don't die from the next shooting. That is the point of that verse. And we don't need to pray about that to know if it's true or not. You're so right. Yeah, I, I got to bring Dylan Cruz in on this because, I mean, it's it's so preventable, Dylan. And, and again, you know, you can pray and pray to make this stop. And I think God would say, idiots, I gave you democracy. Jesus never had democracy. Y'all have democracy. You have the power <laughs> to pick your own government officials and reduce these shootings. Yeah, I want to pick up on what Keith said, too. Repentance means metanoia. It means to literally turn away from and don't do that shit no more. Right. Right. So and I was a Marine and and I consider that my biggest sin, in in fact, um, because Jesus uh, said, blessed are the peacemakers. And that's not what the Marine Corps is exactly known for. And I get sick and tired of people saying guns don't kill people people Mm. kill people well when i was in the marine corps guess what they gave me an Mm. m16a2 service rifle they did not give me a bunch of other stuff and just say now go commit harikiri no they gave me a weapon and taught me how to use it to locate close with and destroy my enemy yeah that is not christ-like at all and neither is this idea that you need an ar-15 jesus used the point of buy a sword and then the moment that somebody actually used that sword he said nope we're not doing that and i think he Luke used 22. that as a teachable moment i yeah, think Luke he 22. said make sure you have a sword because he was like some idiot's gonna do something stupid and i'm gonna do a teachable moment it's the and most those who live abused. by the sword i die by it That's it. The most abused Bible verse, I think, at least among the gun nuts, Luke 22. They actually inscribe it on guns and bullets. Sell your cloak and buy a sword. How many times a day do I hear people who ignore 
the context of well-regulated militia in the Second Amendment uh, ignore the context of Luke 22. Jesus says, mm-hmm. sell your cloak and buy a sword. What comes before is, he says, the prophecy says we're supposed to be criminals. He will be numbered among the transgressors. So go yeah. sell your cloak right. and buy a sword. They say, oh, well, actually, Jesus, we already have two. And Jesus says, oh, you got two? That's fine. Don't go buy any. That, that, that's enough. And then they come to arrest him, and he doesn't fight back. He doesn't practice self-defense. And when Peter tries to practice self-defense, Jesus stops him, surrenders, and says, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And these right-wing pseudo-Christians take one little passage— Sell your cloak and buy a sword. And that's what they use to convince each other that Jesus is down with civilians owning Mm -hmm. AR-15s. They love to lift shit out of context. And that drives me bonkers. Well, let me ask you all about this new Speaker of the House, because he's making a big fuss about his own Christian bona fides. And I've gone through his resume. I can find lots of right wing evangelical shit he endorses. I haven't found much in the way of the Gospels. Uh, I haven't found much in anything the Nazarene actually teaches that this man has ever fought for in his lives. And I, I, I kind of feel like, and I'll start with you, Ms. Rose, this is the sort of thing that is an atheism factory. Like, like when people don't like religion, it's not because it's not because they don't like Jesus or God or Santa Claus. It's because of these kind of right wing douchebags who give all religion a bad name. All I can say is amen to that. Now, here's the thing about him that's so slick. He's such a likable guy, right? He's, he seems so likable and he seems so. And that's the thing about Satan. If you believe him, he's so kind of cunning and beautiful until you get him in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then and then the lie and then the lie start, it starts unraveling. And the thing that mm-hmm. I see about him is they're all doing this thing. They're talking about the Lord. They're quoting scriptures up at the dais and they're doing all this and they're praying and on camera and they're doing all this kind of stuff. But when it comes down to the policies, there ain't no Jesus in that. Okay. There ain't no Jesus in that when it comes down to the policies and it gets down to Main Street and it gets down to the people and it gets down to the family and it gets down to the immigrant and it gets down to the black and the brown and, you know, the red. It, there ain't no Jesus in that. And you could hear that he said something uh, in his the, 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 the press gaggle after he accepted. Yes. And if you paid attention, he said a lot of things. But one thing he said that. Um, that stuck with me is he said, we're going to do something he said for Israel. And I, we probably don't have time to get into all that, but he intentionally did not mention Ukraine. And yeah, for a lot of these, for a lot of these Christian nationalists and evangelicals or whatever you want to call it, there's such an interesting thing there where Israel can do no wrong, but it's like meh about everything else. And, and there's yeah. thousands of people dying. And there they're, 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 seems to me that they're that way on everything. They, well, yeah, they're all the about they self- that scripture out. They do that with everything. Yeah, they're all about self-defense unless it's self-defense against Vladimir Putin, you know, because I don't understand it. Because Vladimir Putin, whatever he wants is what Donald Trump wants. And they are all afraid of Donald Trump sicking his minions on them. That's it. It's Mm -hmm. like this reverse food chain that they do. And again, I'm anti-war. I'm anti-violence. To me, what Ukraine is doing is self-defense. You either are on the side of the oppressors or you're on the side of the people trying to repel the oppressors without committing American troops. I, I actually think, and Dylan, I want to get your take on this as a former member of the service. I feel like Joe Biden has actually walked this line regarding Ukraine pretty well. How do you feel he's done with that? And how do you feel he's doing with this destructive, awful conflict in the Middle East? I wish I knew more about Ukraine to really speak to the history of what's going on there. Although I know enough to know that Ukraine is Ukraine and Russia is Russia. 
That's what um, you got to know. And that self-defense, you know, I don't, I'm an aspiring pacifist, but I'm also a former Marine. So if you come at me with something, I might remember what I was taught when I was in the Marine Corps. Right. Right. I think where this is where the overlap between Republicans and Democrats gets really problematic for me. Tell me. Under the Biden administration, the war budget, it's, it's to call it a defense budget is wildly inappropriate. Well, we haven't been invaded since 18 fucking 12. <laughs> so, but the war budget has gone up to almost $900 billion. Mm-hmm. Republicans and Democrats signed off on that mm-hmm. almost to yeah. a person. Yeah. And then what we fail to remember is that, yes, Israel has a right to defend itself, but they've been a settler colonial occupying force in Palestine, where Jesus was born. And they have been committing atrocities there for a long time. Now, Hamas, let me just say before anybody flips out, Hamas is a terrorist organization. Mm -hmm. Nazi bastards, Nazi bastards. Yes. But that does not excuse what the IDF does and does not make that any less genocidal Mm -hmm. because Hamas is terrorist. And Palestinians are not Hamas and Jews are not Israel. Jews are not Netanyahu. Jews are not yet Netanyahu either. That's right. Netanyahu's a fucking fascist. Right on. Period. Yeah. I've been Keith, I've been saying this for weeks. I am praying that the people of Palestine and the people of Israel get new leadership that is based in intelligence and decency and nonviolence. I want to see a Palestine that has control of its own borders and is a free and independent state and recognizes Israel's right to exist while Israel gets to live in peace and security side by side. I don't think this generation is going to do it, but I think the next generation will do it and it'll piss off a lot of people. What do you think? Well, I agree. I I really wish that um, Israel had a better had a different leader, um, and a leader who wasn't bent on genocide. And um, I also wish that Hamas wasn't um, the ruling party there in uh, Palestine because I think they're not doing their own people any favors um, mm-hmm. by stoking this this conflict. Um, you're just you know the the things they're doing, the things they did to provoke this. Um, it, you've just given Israel an excuse to open up you know, the floodgates and, and pour it down, uh, you know, hellfire from heaven. And it's, it's horrible. It's, it's, I feel like I'm watching a genocide, uh, like I'm living through a genocide and, uh, like I want to echo what Dylan was saying too. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed as well because I feel like both progressive news and conservative news outlets and Biden as well is there's very little reporting on the Palestinian suffering um, the suffering they've undergone for several decades that led up to, you know, that this outbreak of violence yeah. in the first yeah. place. And so because of that, it just looks to everybody like everything was wonderful and peaceful and beautiful. And so one day the Palestinian people just or the Hamas just out of nowhere did something violent. It's like, no, you can't have your hand, on your, your, your foot or your boot on someone's neck that long and not expect them to react in some you know way. So, right. um it's it's frustrating, you know. I, I I watch my progressive news channels, and they're repeating the same things that I'm hearing on. What's Fox. a progressive news channel you watch? What do you mean by progressive news channel? Because current's well, I mean, been out of business for ten years. 
Well, I mean, like I'm watching like PBS NewsHour and I'm expecting okay. them to at least talk to both sides and give a, give me uh, both sides of the story. And what I see is them mainly saying that, you know, hey, Israel has to defend itself and they were attacked first. And, uh, you know, the Palestinians and Hamas are doing these horrible things. And I'm like, well, but you're not going to talk about the past and like, you know, yeah. talk about how we got here. So yeah. that, and it's that's also talking about the it's talking about the future, because if things don't change, this will happen again. Mossad can hunt down every member of Hamas yes. and eliminate them. And I have no doubt they will. I mean, yes. this is the end of Hamas and it's the end of Netanyahu, too, if you look at yes. the Israeli polling. But that, so. if, if the conditions don't change, you should expect more of this. And to yes. me, I mean, Pastor Rose, what I always say is, you know, <laughs> opposing Hamas doesn't mean you hate Palestine or right. Muslims opposing Netanyahu doesn't mean you hate Israelis or Jews and That's opposing right. Donald Trump doesn't mean you hate all gullible racists in America. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I want to believe that there can be a Gandhi that will emerge from this bloodshed. And, and again, I, I cannot say enough that Hamas are Nazi terrorists, but <laughs> Netanyahu's a criminal gangster thug. I, I just pray that. When people ask me what my side is, what side are you on? I try to say I'm on the side of anyone of any side, any nationality, any religion trying to solve this nonviolently. Yeah, absolutely. I would say um, until, until December jumps back in. Yeah, I just want to respond to that. Like, um, yeah, I totally agree. I, I'm, I'm not pro-Israel. I'm not pro-Hamas. I'm pro-human beings that are getting uh, both sides that are suffering um, as a result of this this war that's going on. And uh, I'm all in favor of I, I love what you said about, um, you know, what 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 they need in Palestine is they need their Martin Luther King. They need their Gandhi. They need their nonviolent voice that's going to help them show them really the best way to respond to what's going on, because violence is not the way to do it. Terrorist attacks are not the way to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and we know that we know that from history. Yeah. Yeah. And and Dylan, let me let me ask you about this, because, again, we, we've talked a lot about the, the right wing fundamentalists in this country. And I, I keep saying, show me a time in history when the extreme conservative religious people were the good guys in any story, because, you know, people say, well, Christians don't do this. Christians don't blow up buildings or wear bombs. And I'm like, excuse me, Christians were the Klan and the Crusades and the ethnic cleansing of the Indians. And George W. Bush said God told him to invade Iraq. You know, meanwhile, over here, the Christians are fighting to see who can be the most mean to transgender children or refugees. Yeah, the fascists are never on the right side of history. And, and I know that it would be anachronistic to say that, you know, ancient people were fascists, but let's put it in modern parlance. Christians have been killing in the name of God since about the fourth century. Mm -hmm. And yeah. once you conflate religion and empire, everything's going to go sideways. Yeah. People are going to die. And the, and the scary thing about Mike Johnson is that he is a true believer. He believes that he has a mandate from God to build dominion over the seven mountains. He's a dominionist. So mm -hmm. government, business, arts and entertainment, media, education, all of that stuff. He truly believes that. He conveniently forgot the sixth chapter of Matthew, as you alluded to before. Don't be putting on shows, you know, religious shows, because you've had your recompense already. And he, that's the scary thing. It's not so much Trump uses evangelicals, they use him. 
this is a mutually i don't know what kind of weird symbiotic relationship that is but it's disgusting you nailed it but but they he johnson and other nar uh national apostolic reformation christian nationalist are true believers like doug mastriano here in pennsylvania but why does no one that's what's scary why does no one ever challenge these people when's a journalist going to ask mike pence where does jesus command you to drive the gay wedding cakes out of the temple you know this is the failure of the democratic party because they have seeded jesus and faith and belief and this bullshit bible fan fiction religion over to the republicans yeah keith how do we follow you oh keithgiles.com i'm on facebook twitter uh and my books are on amazon (laughs) dylan how do we follow you uh, Cruise Control 72 on Twitter. My books are on Amazon. December Rose, how do we follow you? December Rose all over, and it's D-E-S-I-M-B-E-R-R-O-S-E. And my book, The Church and Go to Hell, is on Amazon. Right on. Come back in two weeks. We'll do this even longer. Thank you all so much. We'll be right back with an hour of your calls. This is Progress. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tomorrow night on the show, I'm really excited. Uh, Max Burns is going to help wrap up the crazy week with us. And then a fantastic interview about police reform with Edwin Raymond, who might be a familiar name. He was an African-American member of the NYPD on the force for 15 years. And then he became part of a class action lawsuit against the NYPD for their racist practices. He was profiled in The New York Times while he was a cop. Now he's out of the force. He's a full time activist. He has written a beautiful, powerful memoir. And again, he's not someone who hates police. He's done it from the inside. He knows what's wrong. It's one of the best interviews we've done all year. That's going to premiere tomorrow night. Right now, however, it is time once again for a long-awaited return of the Minority Report with Thea Harper. Let's face facts, cause we know what's the real motives. And the land of the fence for the free lotus. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized my people, made us all loners. Still got the last names of our slave owners. And the land of the fence for the free lotus. Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors. They disorganized my people, made us all loners. And the land of the free is for the free lotus. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome back to the show the hardest working woman in radio, producer Thea Harper. Hey, John. Hey, Thea. It's good to have you back. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Since I saw you uh, Monday night in that empty building, I'm doing okay. Thank you very <laughs> much. They don't know how scary it is for you and me. There's no one up there. Um, <laughs> I, I, You know, some of these stories you bring are 
are uplifting and some of them are just kind of devastating. And, and I knew as soon as I heard about the story that it took place in Mississippi, that this was going to be a painful one. Tell the folks about Betterston Wade. She's not a famous name and I think she deserves to be. Yes. So uh, back on March, March 5th, Betterston Wade got into an argument with her son, Dexter Wade, and Dexter decided to go out, hang out with a friend, but he never returned home. And after about a week, Betterston decided to ask the police for help. But when she did, they pretty much were like, we have no leads. But the truth is, is that they did know what happened to her son. So the same night that he left home, he was struck by an off-duty police officer driving an SUV on the interstate. Hmm. Really? Now, now, even though the police knew Dexter's name, knew who his next of kin was, they never notified his mother. They also let his body go unclaimed in the county morgue for months. And since his body went unclaimed, the county buried uh, his remains at a penal farm with other unclaimed bodies without telling his mother anything, pretty much. My God. So let me get this straight. Her son doesn't come home. And after like a week... She she's so nervous. She finally calls the police. And I know she she didn't want to do that because her, her brother had been. No, her other by, son, her oh, her other son. I'm so sorry. OK, so then so then then she 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 calls the cops. They say they don't know where her son is. And she kept on calling, didn't she? She kept on trying, as any mother would, to get the police to do something for for how for how long did she wait? How long did she did she push the cops for some action? Seven months. For seven months, they pretty much kept telling her, you know, there's no leads. But once the investigator retired and a new one took over, that's when they learned the truth within a matter of weeks. Oh, now I I have questions here. I know NBC reported on this and I know they they had a a coroner's investigator helped in court records and public documents. Mm -hmm. But. Did the cops know this young man's name and who his next of kin was? Yes, they knew all that information. Knew and all of it. They just let his body sit in the morgue for months? Exactly. And then they just buried him because his body was never claimed. Yep. And he was, how did he die? He died because a cop car slammed into him? Yes, uh, he suffered severe injuries, um, including uh, to his head. Struck by an off-duty Jackson police officer driving an SUV on the interstate. So this young man is killed by a cop, and they have his name, they know his next of kin, and they just leave his body for months. And his mother, after a week, starts calling. And this is Mississippi in 2023. Mm-hmm. And I... this, this officer... Please, tell me. He was not suspected of being under the influence of drugs or alcohol. It was not given a, a field sobriety test, nor was he cited for any traffic violations. So it was just ruled an accident. Accidental. My God. Have they even told her where her son is buried? Yes, they eventually did. And earlier this month, 
his mother made the appointment to see the grave where her son was was buried. And I also read somewhere that she had to pay $250 to get the body back and I guess to run all these tests and every and everything. I don't even know what, what to say. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say other than I I really really hope by now that lawyers have contacted this woman because no amount of money will ever get her son back but exactly. this this precinct this precinct needs to be punished so harshly that this can never happen again I mean I agree just, it, it's like Mississippi and Alabama are just competing to see who can be the most regressive Confederate state sometimes I'm just oh this I honestly feel like this should be a, a bigger news story this woman's son was killed and buried and the police knew all about it and just never informed her stories like this are the reason why black people don't trust the police why we don't have faith in the system i get it this right here is is why i get it can i just chime in because i know what to say Uh, what do you you said you're at a loss for words these mother fuckers they're monsters. They, they didn't just not tell the mother. They covered up his death to protect one of their own. That's it. For seven months. to They decided that his black body was not worth the trouble that someone could get into for striking him down. Did they think that a mother was just going to stop asking questions, though? I mean, they, I mean, for months she's calling the cops. And they knew where his body was. And they knew that it was an off-duty cop who'd killed him. Like, did they, did they, did they think they could cover this up? Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently forever. They buried him in a pauper's grave. They had his ID on him when he was hit. They pocketed wow. it. They, they kept him in the morgue as a John Doe. I just, Thea, this, I mean, I always have a lot to say about your stories. This one is just rendering me speechless i i i hope ben crump has this story i hope some lawyer has this story and can start trying to help because wow i mean nothing can be done at this point but (sighs) yeah it's it's just very it's very heartbreaking this is from a story uh in in the root which i'm going to share on my on my twitter and and uh but wow I, I, I just I just pray that there's some kind of follow up on this. I, I just I don't even know what to say. There's nothing that can be done for this woman. Yeah, I'm I'm still speechless as well. Like I was baffled reading this story. Yeah. Wow. Thea, thank you. I, I I'm going to stay on this story. I want to follow this story. And, and it is my just deepest hope that I don't even know what can happen. Money will never, never, never take this away for this woman. And the photo of her is just heartbreaking, crying in this field. But this is why you have a judicial branch. This is why you have a legal system to make it so that this can't happen again, because this was not a mistake. The car striking this young man may have been accidental, but no other part of this was an accident. No, it was not. Thea, thank you. I hope a lot of cops go to jail over this story. A lot. This is conspiracy. Thea, thank you. You are the best. And even these painful stories, I'm so grateful that you bring these to us because I got to be honest, I didn't hear this on mainstream news. Thank, thank you to you the John. room for publishing as well. Thank you, Thea. You, you class up the show every, every day. 